Welcome to OOO, an out of ordinary podcast where we dig deep into case studies and the nitty gritty of Web3 marketing. You'll find here all the amazing people that are building Web3, so stick to us as we address their marketing secrets and learn how to build amazing products and brands. Hello everyone, I'm Alex, your fellow Web3 marketer and a host on Out of Ordinary Podcast. This is episode 26. Let me introduce you to my guest. Dennis Robert Fantasni is a content specialist that has always been in love with engineering. He merged his affinity for 3D, social media, and industrial solutions into his current role at BizTech, a metaverse on border for enterprises. I mean, that's just a fancy word, working out metaverse solutions at the enterprise and industry level. Hi, Dennis. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for uh, coming to this uh, in this episode. I had an amazing chat with you and I'm so excited to be able to share all the goodies that you have in the bag with our audience as well. Yeah, like I'm really excited. <laughs> we talk a lot, but we can't seem to stop. <laughs> That's fine. Um, can you start this conversation by telling us like um, a bit about yourself and how you got into Web3? Yeah, like, uh, so I'm Dennis Robert Fantasny. I live in Germany. I'm 38 years old. Um, I got into Web3 because uh, I, I work in social media and I worked in social media before and I just watched Gary Vee and he was talking about this uh, NFT project he was like doing in a and before, like I heard about crypto and stuff, but like this time, like I said, oh, I, it immediately made sense to me that the whole technology would be used for something else than JPEGs, etc. Like I, 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 I totally saw it. Like I had so many use cases in my head immediately, and I just fell in love with uh, all the use cases, and that's how I got into Web three. Like, and I think it's a pretty good project to be like your first project, you know, <laughs> like uh, the V Friends project by Gary V. So still, like really in love with the community, with Gary uh, and, and his vision for the projects. Like, yeah, that's how I got into it. I think he's uh, one of the people that got a lot of people into Web3 or like got them excited yeah. about Web3. You're not the first person telling me this though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I know we're going to be talking about like the industrial metaverse. It might be um, something a bit more technical for a lot of people, but I was thinking that maybe we can start from the beginning. And I was wondering if you can maybe tell us a bit about like, um, what is the metaverse and what is it actually used for? So, yeah, that's a big question. It's like, I always give this answer, think of it as ice cube. So ICE. So there's industrial applications, there's consumer applications, there's enterprise applications. So just to kind of divvy this up, you know, into these categories is easy. And then you can see like in the middle, the C, the cus uh, consumer, that's the biggest one we see. It's like the social media in the internet, right? Like we only so see social media because it's like so upfront and we use it all the time. But there are so many other applications in the background that are running you know, on the internet. So I think... Um, yeah, what we what we see right now is the metaverse for consumers, where you can enter a three D world with avatars, and uh, those three D worlds have like totally different settings and qualities. Like some look more like uh, Minecraft, right? You know, like a low resolution, and some look like totally fancy, and you can uh, they look like the latest video games. So there's a big range just in that consumer. Um, part right so you can imagine like if you go to these two other parts like the range of quality and like applications is like basically endless 
Okay. So what is it for? Because you told me like, who is it for, but like, how does it work? So how does it work? Like, uh, I probably don't even know, but how <laughs> is it supposed to work? Uh, I can answer that. Like it's, it's supposed to connect people within a 3d setting. And we have a lot of, we have a lot of experience with people being in a 3d setting already because gaming has been around forever. And then we actually realize. Um, if you want to work in a 3D setting, that's possible for a long time. You don't get fatigued because like your mind is uh, set to work in a 3D setting. We are humans, like we are in a 3D setting. So what happens on Zoom when the, these calls, like after an hour, your mind starts to like disengage because <laughs> you watch uh, 20 people on the screen and this is totally not natural to have 20 people yelling at you like uh, at a face distance so yeah that's that's like totally unhealthy so if you want to work in larger groups you know longer meetings remotely that's something the metaverse is for but also for meetings in in other styles like uh, in a consumer setting in the private setting enterprise meetings uh, totally different use cases but basically you know just to have access to a 3D world and also the possibilities it brings with you. Moving stuff around, looking at stuff in 3D, talking about the same things, right? Like, because we see the same things. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's used for that and it will be used for it even more because this is basically your Zoom meeting on steroids. Yeah, all the, all the hype, everybody's like looking for all, at all times, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, what is your focus in Web3 now? Because I think uh, it may seem super complicated for a lot of people, but one, um, um, once you tell them, I think um, you, you can make things uh, seem a lot more easier for everybody. Yes. So, my focus right now, out of all these three big clusters I mentioned of the content pillars of the, uh, of the, of the metaverse, if you will. So, um, I focus on industrial solutions just because it scratches my itch. Like, it's like, okay, uh, as a child, I always wanted to, uh, you know, find solutions, you know, like, uh, um, uh, you know, like this is, this is the engineering part of me that wants to like find solutions and industrial metaverse is such a big topic because you can actually find solutions that mine might seem minute for uh, outsiders, but like if you, if you can have an industrial process and you can just like get it better by 0.1%, that's huge in industrial terms. And if you can stack these like little percentages up, you, you might get to 10% or 20% like in, uh, in the given, in the given factory setting or whatever. And that's huge in, in terms of monetary gains for companies. So that is like why it's kept so close to the chest. If you talk to companies, actually, this is the best kept secret. <laughs> like um, the job of consumer metaverse is to tell everyone, <laughs> like, right? Like that's the job of the consumer metaverse. Tell everyone about the Prada, Skoda, whatever metaverse there, there's out there. Yeah. That's why we see it all the time. And the job of the industrial metaverse is to get stuff better and if you actually make gains, hey, don't tell anyone about it. You know, like it's your, it's your, uh, it's your competition that you're talking to. Why would you tell them anything, right? Like, so you keep it close to the to the vest, like in house. So that's why you never hear about it. Mm. I think that's a that's a very interesting uh, point of view uh, when you when you get to think of it. 
Um, now that you told us, told us about yourself and the metaverse, when, you, when it comes to the industrial metaverse options, what are these companies using this technology for? So um, industrial solutions, they're like sometimes they intertwine with enterprise solutions a little, but just imagine very, very simple example. Um, if you have a quality manager, for example, that needs to travel a lot. And you can reduce that travel, for example. That would be a really good option. And how do you reduce the travel? Like sometimes they need to travel to the other side of the world. Okay, that takes time by itself, right? And the problem is sometimes they travel there and it's just a small problem they could have solved by just like, you know, looking at stuff through the same lens. And you, we always say, yeah, look at the problem uh, through the same lens. And now we take it literally. Like they basically have a headset on that has this head has lenses and cameras and then you can see what is there and you can see on top of it augmented reality how is it supposed to look so you see you can see the problem immediately and if you can't then you know that you have to travel there but sometimes it's smaller problems that could be solved by someone remotely and that would save time and it does save time on travel and it also saves time in loss production capacity because if you cannot produce for a day or half a day, that's money in the bank for, for factories, right? Because like that's lost productivity. So that is very easily <clears throat> calculable. It's like uh, companies can like do that calculation, you know, like on the back of an envelope. Okay, like one one day of lost productivity, that's so many thousands or ten thousands or hundred thousands and millions of euros. So um, depending on the company, it's worthwhile, you know, having someone check in remotely and maybe 24-7 around the world. So that's an option you didn't have before. And it's a very, very easy one, you know, like, and then if you go to the other side of, uh, of the industrial metaverse, you could have a 3D space that is not even for humans. You just put your data in there and then you use artificial intelligence and then it will iterate. So there's a lot of in-betweens. So just to give you like the scope of like how big this thing can be. So it does have like a very strong educational component um, in it. Um, and if I understand correctly from you, this is one of the main um, use cases, let's say, um, training and basically onboarding um, people from all around the world to be able to like uh, get into this like very similar level of um, expertise if you want or like knowledge of usage of their um Yes, product. yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can see it like uh, for, from a quality standpoint, like companies act internationally all the time. So you can have made in Germany, like for me, as a German, you know, made in Germany, like that says something to a lot of people around the world. But if it's made by Volkswagen or made by Siemens and it's a German company, you still don't, you don't need to see the label made in Germany. You just trust that they have the processes down, right? Like uh, whether or not Siemens produces in China or Indonesia or India or Germany, it doesn't really matter because you know the quality is there. And so um, you basically streamline everything to have better quality because you can control the quality a little better. And companies are uh, actually, you know, like that's one of the major problems, like teaching, you know, across continents. Um, that takes a lot of time. And you can use you can use um, the, the the metaverse for that, and you can use subtitles basically in Zoom or other applications. You usually don't uh, see like subtitles or you know um, speakers like 
uh, we do it all the time, like because it makes sense, right? Like <laughs> you you speak to someone and you subtitle everything in their uh, mother language, so both of the uh, speakers may speak English to each other, but the subtitles will make it a little clearer what they mean. So um, you you have less problems having stuff lost in translation. That's basically the the whole premise of it. We were going to go back to, to this idea of like the usage of AI and like how this um, translating or like how it helps translate uh, different languages around the world. Um, but before that, I want to ask you, um, who do these companies work for? Do they develop something in-house with their internal team? Or do they work with externals that can develop these kind of solutions for them? Can you tell us more about it? So there's a mix. So some companies do almost everything in-house, and then there are some uh, uh, some companies that almost specialize in this already. So like I could I could name Nvidia, Omniverse. It would be like a competitor to ours, but also could be like a partner, right? Like I don't look at this, you know, like as competitors or like uh, partners. Like everybody could be a partner. You basically see something, somebody has a solution for something, and then you just use it to visualize stuff. So what? industrial metaverse actually does or is is like the industry 4.0 um, basically that that's already existing that means like connecting machines uh, connecting the data the internet of things you just visualize that so you have like one more option and one more level on how to see uh, see things actually so that's that's basically what they do. And then you have outside partners that specialize in this. Like there could be partners that specialize in just like putting the sensors on the machines and just that's, that could be the whole role. And then you have other partners that do the 3D visualization of things. And you have other partners that, um, that actually do the data management. So it's always a mix and you ha- always have to work with specialized partners because like usually there is like no one size fits all. So it's always like a team effort, right? And a lot of these things can be done in-house depending on the company. If you are a data company already and you have, uh, you have your data, you know, set up to be like uh, available within the company, then there is no need for outside data, for example. So it could be anything. It depends on the demands of the company. Mm. That's a that's a it's a pretty interesting point of view. Um, what kind of impact uh, embracing this new tech can have on a man- manufacturer? I think like anybody would be very very curious to to learn more about that. Okay, so let me give you an example by BMW, uh, the 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 car manufacturer. So they are going to open another factory, and supposedly it's going to save twenty five percent of costs per car. In industrial terms, that's just like huge. And they didn't say how they did it. They didn't say how they did it. But like, you know, you can bet your ass, like, excuse my French, but they, you can bet that they have like some kind of uh, um, industrial metaverse solution implemented. Like whether it is like fully 3D or just like partly. But um, the mix of industrial metaverse and AI, that is just like such a huge cost saver. And not only cost, but time saver. And time is money, right? You can iterate things faster and get them to production faster. So a process that may have taken five years is maybe three or two years now, just because it's so much faster. I remember, like, I'm totally on, to be totally honest with you, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like this new tech, but I feel like a lot of people are still like very afraid of it because they're like afraid that 
technologies like taking their jobs and stuff. But to be honest, I think it's just an enhancer, like the quality of work that you can put out there. I don't think you should be seen as an enemy, let's say. Oh no, it is, it is your friend. Like uh, when, when, when we started the internet and uh, people started using Google, oh no, Google is going to take so many jobs. It's going to take a certain kind of jobs, but AI and these technologies, metaverse, it's not these things per se that are going to take your job. It's people that use them (laughs) better than you do that, that are going to take your job eventually. So you have to, you have to be open-minded and, uh, you know, dive into this because if you are five years behind, uh, that's, that's a death sentence sometimes. Like you have to like learn these things pretty fast and, you know, judging by how long it took for people to actually, you know, find the unmute and mute button on zoom, <laughs> it could, it, it could take a while. <laughs> Um, funny thing is that I was uh, having a chat with a friend last night and, um, he, um, he's been doing a lot of like marketing, biz dev, anything you can think of until I think last year when he started doing this like Java, um, a course and now he's a developer and he's like, yeah, I've been working. I've been doing this for like uh, a year now. I'm like a Salesforce integration dev, something, something. And I was like, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm still into Web3. You know, I, I told you last time when we met um, and he was like, yeah, you know, like I know nobody. I know nothing about it. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, nothing about it. He's like, because like nobody in your circle talks about it or like nobody knows about it. But everybody in my circle is, is all about it. <laughs> <laughs> we do never not talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just... Um, it's just a matter of like how you move around, like uh, the opportunities that you find to to put yourself out there and to learn, because that was that was actually my point. That um, if you're gonna, I, f- I feel like there are still a lot of people that are very um, um, scared of it somehow, or they don't understand anything of it. And I'm not talking just about the metaver- metaverse, but it's just about like web three in general. And when they hear like crypto or blockchain, it's like, oh no. I'm pretty sure it's going to disappear in like five years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's this joke. There's this joke for a reason. Like you had a party. Yeah. You had a party and then there's this CrossFitter, there's a vegan and there's someone from web three who's going to know you first by talking about their shit all the time. <laughs> I mean, like it's kind of that. Yeah. You, you're like a, there's a certain category of passionate people, you know, that are passionate about something and they will talk to you about it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm that, I'm that guy in my uh, circle of friends. Yeah, <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like you just like, you came back from a conference. Like, I don't even know there was a conference or uh, you met like, who did you meet? Like, I don't even know Like you know, and then it's, it's funny. Like you, you talk about like uh, the people you meet and they're like, I don't even know like they're the whole industry that they're in existed. And then you're like, okay, uh, it's, it's, it's so funny. Right. Like, and then they look, they look people up on LinkedIn and they're like, Oh, now I understand. Like, it's like, uh, <laughs> they like p- people don't understand the industry and nothing, but everybody understands follow accounts on, on LinkedIn and, uh, social media. So <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's kind of crazy. That, um, maybe sometimes like, um, maybe kids are going to introduce their parents into it. Um, I have a, I have a, I went to this like birthday thingy last, last Tuesday. And basically there was this friend of mine 
a guy that I respect very much. He's an investor. He has like two kids and like, um, not an investor, but like he's in, investing into like to have like passive income and stuff like this. He has like a financial background. So I would expect somebody like somebody like him to like understand what I'm talking about, at least like from a conceptual point of view or like how it works, because I think it's a lot of very similar concepts. And I was telling him about stuff. I think we spoke for almost an hour. I can't even remember. It was just like about everything and anything. And <laughs> at the end of it, he's like, dude, what are you telling me right now? It sounds like my six-year-old telling me about like, I don't know, singer or like this game. And I don't understand anything of it. And that's kind of how I feel when I talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe your, uh, your kid will be able to, to introduce it to that. Um, like I got like about 10% of it, like five minutes later, she's like, I think I just got like 5% of what you told me, but it was very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> that is also like a reason why so many people, yeah, that's, that's a reason why so many people go into TikTok. Um, and you think, okay, your target audience is not on TikTok, but the kids of that target audience are on TikTok and they listen to it and they say, Hey dad, you do this thing. Yeah. With, uh, with machines, right? Like, Hey, have you ever like done this, uh, metaverse stuff and then they say oh i don't even know about it and i actually have that experience like it's like you always have to you feel like if you say the sentence like you have to get punished by someone because if you say we are still early like we're really still very very early and uh, i just went out like uh this saturday and i have a friend who's a professor and he he works exactly like in this category right and he's also a consultant for deloitte and it's so funny. Like, you know, we talk about this and he's like, oh yeah, I, I didn't know about these possibilities and it's his job to know. And then that's, that's how, you know, like it's so, it's so early in the process that the people that are like specialized in this, like still have no clue how to, how to do it because it's just like a handful of people basically that does it. And then nobody talks about it. So it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But when you see that you're so early that like the, the professionals uh, don't, don't even know about it. And then you're on a good, you know, trajectory because then, you know, like you have something that nobody else does. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's, it's hard to explain, but uh, I'm happy that we're, I'm having this episodes with all kinds of, uh, people that uh, can explain different stuff so at least like uh it would give like a better understanding on like how things work at least that's that's what i hope um going back to to our chat i wanted to ask so besides the cost reduction part you just told us about which i think is like super amazing we also have the csr and the pr part of things can you tell us more about that? How does the industrial metaverse can get into CSR and how does that bring good PR basically? Because I would guess this oh, yes. is very that's, interconnected. That's actually, that's actually the sexy part. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, I basically, I just wrote a chapter for a book, you know, for a friend and, uh, you know, then the challenge was like, okay, how can you just describe the whole thing, right? The holistically, the whole, the whole thing, like the whole circle. And I made up this person, you know, Daniela, and she's a quality manager at one of, uh, you know, at, at one of uh, the German factories for cars. And she, she just had two kids, like one is four, one is two. And she, she had to travel a lot, so she doesn't see the kids. What nobody wants to talk about is as a woman, you just had two kids, you took maternity leave, you're behind the competition. 
because he just took a few few years off, right? Nobody wants to speak, you know, speak out loud, but it's just facts. It's just like it's hard so facts. <laughs> and so, like for corporate social responsibility, that is like, hey, now you have you have better options to keep these people. You know, not only educated about what you do, but also give them the options to not have to leave their children and not make the choice of, hey, do I travel? Do I want to keep this job and make a career in this this job? Or do I have to take another job at another company or within the company, but like switch divisions because I don't want to travel 180 days a year? Maybe I just... Maybe with this technology, you can reduce travel and you only need to uh, travel 60 days a year and only one, one week at a time instead of uh, basically two months at a time. That could be, right? So you opening up more, uh, more possibilities. And on the other side of the world, there's somebody else who you talk to, who you can enable now because you are basically fixed in your position, like in your geolog uh, geographical position. And since you don't travel as much, you can talk to more people, enable them to get better, and then include them in the whole process. And so, like these things, not only CSR, like it's a whole topic. It's the ESG topic because the, you, you reduce travel costs. That's good for PR. DE and I, like every, every time you you hit these diversity, equity, and inclusion topics, uh, the C-suite, you know, they they they're rubbing their hands. They're like, oh yes. This is good for me because like these guys, you have to realize a lot of them, they just want to look good. Like the press won't talk about you if you say, Hey, I just like, uh, I just got 5% more efficient. And they're like, we, we couldn't get less, you know, uh, like <laughs> off an F. <laughs> but like, if you, if you say like, we actually, um, enable our, like, uh, our diverse workforce, you know, to, to stay on topic. And like, um, we have solutions, you know, especially for women that want to have children, you know, to, to, to have family and also work in their positions that haven't been there before. That is sexy, you know, that the press will talk about it. So for PR, that's, that's a win, but also for, for engineering, it's a win. So sometimes you can spin it, you know, to make it a double whammy or a triple whammy because you, you check off all the boxes. So that's, that's a topic near and dear to my heart because people don't realize that uh, the CSR parts and all the other parts are, are basically there as well for, for the grab. Something you, you also mentioned to me last time was regarding like um, when it comes to like the CSR part of things was connected to... Um, because like, for example, like you, you cut travel costs, which means that you, you reduce pollution or instead of like training all these people and like having this machines functioning for the entire day, for example, you use the metaverse, which consumes a lot less. Um, but I think you, you maybe could be able to explain that a bit better than what I'm just uh, rambling here. No, but basically like, uh, actually what you said is like, you know, like totally understandable, like you train people. And you don't have to travel. So that's uh, CO2 savings right there, right? You don't need to travel. Like you don't need to fly. And on a grand scale of tens of thousands of people in a company that travel back and forth by plane, if you just reduce it by like whatever margin, that's that's huge. And then the next thing uh, that you mentioned uh, would be um, the, the training. So sometimes in some industries, you cannot just switch off machines uh, to train. 
or if you switch them off, there is an, the cost, the opportunity cost that because if you had them running, you would earn more. So basically, uh, some kinds of machines you can just rebuild, you know, and then have them in your educational center within the company. But some machines are just too big, and if you if you tra- when you train people, you know, like uh, if they make if they make a mistake, you know, that's fatal. So. Very, very simple example of this would be a flight simulator, right? Like we have this already. So you don't just go and then tell pilots, okay, let's train on a, on a proper plane before you start. No, you would never do that. And in the industry, there's like in industrial applications, there's the same. Like um, if you have a mining company and then you have like these, uh, these mining towers, they are like 100 meters high. They are huge. They weigh 15,000 tons. They move so much earth around. Uh, that's like 20 to $50 million a day sometimes. Just like have them running. And if you don't, if you have to switch them off for something else other than maintenance, that's like lost money right there because you can just keep on digging and digging and digging. So that's like not the most, um, um, uh, environmentally friendly industry, you know, sometimes, but uh, still like on an industrial scale, like if you can, if you can just train people and then it's totally safer, you have less injuries. And also that is something like in CSR, um, you know, if you can reduce the injury uh, uh, quote, you know, the rate, that's like, that's something as well, you know, so PR will, uh, will have a feast on that, you know, just like if you said like, we reduce injuries, you know, worldwide injuries by 25% or 50 or whatever. And then that is huge. And usually, you know, um, accidents happen during training because that's when people are like the least skilled. And then also like, uh, you know, like over a lifetime when people are getting careless. So you can like basically, um, have training settings all the time and then, uh, test people remotely. So that kind of stuff is already there and then being built. And that's where you have huge savings already. Yeah, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. I was also wondering, can the industrial metaverse be used to incentivize employees or represent gamey, gamified solutions for them to come up with solutions or to become better at their job? Yes. So um, one thing that will be replaced or is already being replaced is you have these suggestion boxes, like whether they're digital or uh, physical. So basically a suggestion box will be like, hey, we could do this. So there needs to be a manager and he looks at it and he's like, yeah, okay, that's a nice idea. But like, I don't even know if that's good. So there needs to be a whole team that looks at this stuff, right? And then they have to make a decision whether or not your idea is good. But maybe... If you had access to the industrial metaverse solutions and you could say, hey, I can like tinker around with machines. I can just like move them a little, you know, I can, I can, uh, I can work with their functionality and do something different. And I can, I can basically during my work time, just like play around with this. Like it's uh, maybe even a gamified solution. So you could do this like any way you like. And then people would be incentivized to do it. And then if you find something, the session will be recorded, you know, as you do it. And it will say, hey, you, uh, employee XYZ, you know, Daniela, for example, that we talked about, she will be the one that found the solution and it will be, um, it will be registered. And then she just like uh, puts it in, you know, um, in the digital suggestion box and then um, somebody will look at it and immediately see whether or not it's good because the data is right there. So basically AI and other programs will already have found out whether that solution is good or not. And 
the human creativity part plus AI, that's, that's how you basically enable the whole workforce. And then how you use your whole workforce and the swarm intelligence of the whole workforce to basically Kaizen the shit out of your company, right? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's how you do it. And that's the future. Um, I was thinking about, um, Carrefour, for example, they're not using a web three solution, but I know for sure, at least in Romania, they used to have a lot of competitions, like internal competitions for, uh, for the employees to come up with solutions or to like improve processes. And they would give like, not so interesting <laughs> incentives, let's say, uh, it's not like they would move you up, uh, in your job or like, I think they would pay you some money or something. Um, or like let you at least coordinate this idea just to give it this fulfillment, uh, thing. Um, so except for this, uh, rewards part, which I don't want to really, I don't really want to get into cause I think it's such a long discussion. I really yeah. like the, the first part of the idea where like they, they come up with this program where they, they ask their employees to be, um, be part of the construction of this, of this processes and to make everybody's life easier, basically. I mean, it works perfectly for Google, right? So Google, but Google is an IT company. So like they give like basically 20% of the company, of the, of the employees time to them so they can work on problems, you know, they see. So that's how people just invented Gmail and other solutions. Like they come up with like all these solutions and then they implement it and test and iterate. And how do you do that in the real world? Like you cannot just ask your boss to stop the production line and then do something else. Right? Like, you know, but yeah. in the digital world, you can just say, Hey, I have this digital twin. It works exactly like all the machines we have here. It, it has the same physics. Let me just tinker with it a little. And sometimes it's just like moving stuff around, you know, to be more efficient. And since these problems are so complex, like you have to train AI to see everything, right? So data, that's where AI is like a lot better. But like 3D space and how things work together, you know, humans have ideas, like, and they just use the technology to, to iterate these ideas. And that's, that's how you actually know that your idea is good. So like, uh, the enablement of, of basically of all your employees, that's something that is, is going to be, um, it's going to be poured gasoline on. Like you, you will, you will see the iterations are going to be faster. And as a result, I think, um, employees are happier. And also, if you have that kind of technology and your competitor doesn't, you are likely to retain more people, which in turn is, um, you know, like every employee retained is basically their, a whole year salary. You know, like if they leave, you have to employ another one, search for them and train them again. So it's like a whole year salary that you lose, like if you lose somebody versus like if you attract somebody that you uh, would have had to pay much more uh, to get them, you know, that's, that's a gain. So, um, that's, that's something else, you know, like our eye is, uh, in, in the details, our eye can be in the industrial part. Our eye can be in the human resources part, can be in the PR part because you checked off all these boxes in CSR, ESG and DE and I, uh, so you have to think holistically. And once you do that as a company, that's, that's how you get the gains. You know what I was thinking about? Like when you were talking, I was thinking about like the, the four days work week, because I think there's so many people that are very skeptical about it. But I think I've heard, I know companies that are using their Fridays, for example, as a, um, as a playground for the employees. And I think this would also be a very big help for uh, the PR side of things. But at the oh, same yes. time, everything that we just talked about. 
Yeah. And then, um, uh, one thing is like, uh, some, like, uh, I do have this talk, like sometimes like, Hey, you should like offer like remote possibilities to everyone. And then I say, Hey, no, like we want people back, you know, at the office because they can only do this stuff like the 3d stuff, like at the computer as a team, like, you know, when they're together. And I said, like, no, you can do that. Like, maybe Zoom is not the best option always, you know, because like you don't have the 3D option of moving things around. But, um, you know, try this. Like, tell all your employees to come back to work, you know, and they have to commute again and there is no remote option. Try it for half a year. Like, let's see how that works. <laughs> like, I don't think it's going to be received positively. Like, it, people are so used to being... Uh, able to remote, work remotely, and there's like a small uh, like percentage of the workforce that couldn't, like just because it's industrial solutions, right? And now more and more people can actually work remotely, and the way factories work, they're more and more automated. So you have less people actually on the factory floor. Like uh, there are some companies that only have robots. So sometimes there's no need for. 1500 people to work at the car plant. Maybe it can be a hundred and a lot of robots and AI and everybody else is just like somewhere else, you know, doing other stuff. Uh, and the core, um, the core knowledge of the company will always be within, within its headquarters, uh, you know, and then, uh, but the core ideas and creation and ideation can be worldwide now. So that is, uh, that is how you use your workforce in 2023 and, uh, you know, and later. I'm a huge fan of remote work. So, um, yes, yeah. solution as well. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, Me too. Like, yeah. you, you mentioned several times, um, the usage of AI and I know AI is an integrative part of what you do. Um, what do you use it for and what exactly is the impact it has? So I mentioned the, the translation part already, like you can basically translate 250 languages back and forth in, into like uh, any other language. That is a huge part. Just like that imagine is. you have, yeah, you, you have, you, you like, I'm in Germany, I speak English and then like, it's not perfect. And then I have somebody in, in another country and they speak English. It may not be perfect. Uh, so for both of us to have subtitles, you know, uh, and have the nuances, you know, like translated, that could be huge. Maybe you have like a very, very good engineer that doesn't speak English at all. Like you can just, you can still talk to them. So it opens up so many more possibilities with all the hassle of um, you having to, to translate stuff, but also um, iteration. For example, like when you have a metaverse, um, it could be industrial, it could be something else. If somebody just wants to put something somewhere else, like they need a developer to program that into the system. So AI will enable drag and drop. And that's that's where you where it, uh, where it is right now. Like basically everybody's working on AI to to use it for drag and drop and then automating these processes where you still have to code. Like mm. um, I mean, nobody's coding for their web page anymore. Like you just use templates and drag and drop, you know. So that's basically also where where AI comes in because uh, 3D models are a little more complex than uh, 2D models, but it's the same. It's the same principle, right? You just like have something uh, AI that makes something better and like more efficient. Maybe this is gonna open the the space for a lot more people to get into like or yeah to be able to. 
to get into all kinds of jobs, which maybe before they looked very um, unreachable, let's say, or like very, very hard to learn, or like it would take a lot of time to train. Uh, maybe that would open up the possibilities for a lot more people as well. Oh, yeah. Like, as you said that, like really side note, this is not industrial metaverse, but this is uh, medicine. So uh, when surgeons train, like how do they train? Like they need, they need real life uh, training. Um, there is a full immersive um, version where they really have high definition uh, glasses and they have, they can use their hands in that space and they train uh, special procedures like without any risks, right? Like they had to do it physically, but like in, in the, in the medical metaverse, you can get feedback differently and you can see blood veins and everything, you know, very clearly. So that kind of stuff is already being used and it reduces, um, um, it reduces the training basically to a sixth of the time sometimes. And that's huge. Just imagine like, after residency, you go into surgical training and then you have to add five more or six more years to your training. And that could be reduced to one or two years. So how much more quality would you have in the system, in the medical system, just by using that, that kind of stuff? So you see it everywhere, wherever you go, once you look at it through the lens of improvement and speed and uh, how to, how to uh, not only increase ROI, but like the real, um, I mean, the ROI is huge. Like you save lives, right? Like what's the ROI on saving a life? Like endless. So, um, so in other industries, they use it already, but it's highly specialized for most. And I think AI will help, you know, with the, with bringing all the specialization and all the learnings from every single industry into a whole, um, a whole big technology base where you can just like pick what you need for, for what you want to do. Because I don't know how somebody will use technology, you know, in 20 years. We didn't see Web 2 coming when the internet was there. We didn't see social media coming. But then it was there because people just used what was there. So um, I'm really excited to see what people and their creativity will uh, come up with. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. Um, we, we spoke about like a lot of examples and I think this is something that I really, really enjoyed, uh, as part of our conversation. Uh, but kind of like as the last part of our chat, I wanted to ask if you can give us an example of a successful metaverse implementation, you know, of or that you've worked on. Okay. One, like, yeah, there's NDA. So like uh, probably the industrial, uh, we cannot talk about like, yeah, I can, I can talk about, uh, you know, you don't we have have. names if you don't want okay. to, like, can you give yeah. an example of like something that was, yeah, still there's sometimes still, it's like still, uh, I think, I think the ones, you know, that uh, you, you could definitely talk about is like, uh, I mean, I mentioned the mining, the mining stuff, you know, like, I think that that one will be something, you know, like, uh, uh, as, as a general thing, like, yeah. Uh, and that kind of industry is like highly specialized and they see the gains, um, clearly. And I think it is, um, it is always good to move from highest ROI possible to, uh, you know, to just like have easy wins within this industry and then uh, go to other cases. I think, uh, what could be, what's, what's an easy stuff is like, uh, um, commercial real estate, for example, you just have a drone and you just like have it flying around and then the drone will do all the work for you. It will scan everything. 
with uh, visual and LiDAR technology. So it has all the co coordinates and the 3D version and it will keep on going until it has everything scanned. So if there's something in, uh, in the 3D world that hasn't been scanned, it will, uh, you know, try to get different angles. And you may have to uh, do it like by hand and scan by hand, uh, you know, later. But uh, usually the drone is really good and gets everything on, on camera. So that will be something, uh, you know, we do all the time for, for commercial real estate. And then marketing metaverses as well. And then um, the company actually where we come from is... Um, game development and also event space. So, you know, the developers are game developers. So basically you can do everything you've ever seen in the game. And the event space uh, is something that we do a lot. So events where people actually teach how to uh, use medical devices, and then you want to have a 3D uh, visual of that. Um, sometimes it's uh, for big events, you know, like it could be like concerts, etc. Could be hybrid events where you want to have, uh, where you want people to see maybe a concert, and then you can have a real uh, audience as well, and then you can have, have an online audience. So that kind of stuff, like we do already, um, industrial solutions. Like yeah, like I told you about the mining stuff, like and uh, other stuff. Probably I cannot go into. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I'm actually looking forward to see a lot more um, solutions for marketers, for example, because I feel like right now it's very, um, it's kind of easy to develop for anything that's like very hands-on. So sports, gaming, it's like repetitive tasks. Like you, you do something a million times, you get like so much better at it. But I think like when it comes to, to, to marketing, I would really like to see a lot more solutions being developed in this space. Um, as you mentioned, the creativity of these people, um, so like who knows where, where we're going to get in the future. Um, because, mostly because I think I've been like a huge fan ever since, like I've known myself, um, to cut the education part into half. But when I started 10 years ago, like the, not the industry, but like everything was a lot behind. Um, so I think, a lot more things have developed ever since. So, yeah, very excited to to learn more, to, to see what, what we can actually come up with. So kind of on that note, I wanted to know if there are any Web3 tools or resources you would like to anybody to use or refer to as like a good uh, learning point or like usage point um, for anybody in Web3, oh. especially for marketers, but not only. Mm -hmm. I, I have to sh give a shout out to my, my boy, Andre Schickman. Like, uh, you can go and Google Metaverse Bay. Um, they have a pretty good, um, encyclopedia of like, um, different Web3 projects and also for marketing. Like, so marketing is basically the one of the most talked about use cases. And, it's the one everybody shares, right? Like, you know, this is how we do it. This is how we use it for marketing and for consumers because that's so close to each other. So like, yeah, like uh, go to Andre's site, you know, he has a newsletter, you know, sign up for it and then, uh, you know, learn about this because uh, there are so many, there's literally like endless, even though we're so early, endless amounts of people out there talking about metaverse and you can just go on YouTube and then basically um, type in metaverse, what do I do? And um, it still helps like if there's a context and maybe like a, um, 
maybe like a learning curve or whatever, or like a program that you can follow. I mean, I'm working on one, but I haven't finished it. So like in the meantime, you know, just go to Andre and then, you know, like, uh, think, of, think of me when you, when, when I, um, when I finish mine, but, you know, always happy to, to give a shout out to somebody who did, uh, put in the work because like a lot of people put in a lot of work and then you don't see it. And then they put their work out there for everyone for free you know, just to educate them and, uh, build trust. And then once people start to realize they can build a project, they come to these people. So I think it's, uh, it's the right thing to do. He's definitely somebody to, to look, uh, up to because I think he's put, he's put so much work and he does his live events every Saturday, if I remember correctly, yeah, yeah, free yeah. metaverse. Uh, so you never know like what, uh, what they're going to touch on, but I think it, it's, it's always something new and interesting uh, in, the, in the development of the metaverse. Exactly. Yes. And it, it's his passion, like <clears throat> for much longer than mine. Like uh, I just niche into industrial because it scratches my itch. And I think for him, he has looked at so many more metaverse projects that I would not be interested in because I just like need a little more visual fidelity. That's why I work with Unreal Engine 5. And like for, for high resolution, high def resolutions, like there's not that many options that you can, can actually, you know, use. So you, for, for industrial stuff, you know, that makes total sense. But for you, for marketing, you know, you don't need the high resolution stuff. Like you just need to be able to meet in a 3D space. So you can use more gamified avatars that look more like, um, maybe on a PlayStation one graphics level, you know, but still good enough. Like you still have fun. You still have fun moving around. It looks like a game. So there is no right or wrong, you know, in, uh, resolutions, as long as you use it for the purpose that, uh, you know, it's best for that resolution. I think, um, we go into higher resolutions as because just like if your competition does a high resolution project, yours is immediately rendered useless, right? You know, obsolete basically. If yours looks like, um, uh, like a 10 year old version and the, the other one is like a grown up version, you know, like, uh, you, you it, it's really bad for you, you know, like, so a lot of companies go into high resolution development right now. And also with the hardware getting better, we, we, everybody anticipates the Apple vision pro and then, Hey, what's it going to do to the industry? I don't know. Maybe a lot of developers will jump on the train and say, Hey, let's develop something. But you don't know, like, uh, let's see in a year, but the trajectory is clear, like better resolution, higher resolution. Yeah. I think it would be pretty interesting to, to talk again in a year from now and like, see, see kind of where the industry has developed. Um, oh yes, yes. <laughs> but before we, we wrap this up, can you tell uh, our listeners where can they find you? Oh, basically, just go on LinkedIn, type in my name. Like you can put it here, like Dennis Robert Fantasny. You will find me uh, instantly. Um, yeah, send me a DM or a connection request. You know, and then um, if you have like any questions, yeah, we can talk. We can set something up. No problem at all. That's the best way to find me. It's, I basically use LinkedIn as my landing page. Yeah, you are pretty active on LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to connect with you, I think that'll be a good place to to start from. Let's say, uh, Dennis, thank you so much for for taking the time and having this chat with uh, with me today. It's been awesome, uh, and I'm looking forward to to our chat in a year from now. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, and see you around. 
Thank you so much for listening to our Out of Ordinary podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to hear more content like this, then open up the podcast app and click on the follow or subscribe button. It takes less than five seconds and is the single best thing you can do to support the show and stay up to date to more marketing strategies that are being used in the Web3 space.